It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And super producer, Riley Bright. Hello, boys. Day 5,000 in quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we're all recording from our separate homes. People, stay safe, stay sheltered. Um... Uh, we have an amazing guest today. I want to get right into it because we've already been chatting with him for a few minutes. He's wonderful. I've wanted him to be on the show for a long time. He's an actor. He's a comedic performer and a podcaster. He's appeared in such shows as Adam Ruins Everything, Bajillion Dollar Properties, and of course, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, you can hear him as the co-host on two podcasts, Drag Her and We Love Trash. Boys and girls, please give a warm Club Scout salute to Mono Agapian. What's up, Mono? Hey, what's up, guys? What a, that was a fucking that was great. Can you put that on my tombstone? That was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> on your IMDb, which is basically just going to be your tombstone one day. I would just add um, subscribe to CISO if you could just add that, and then <laughs> then it would be perfect. But that was awesome. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, how's uh, it going? How are you, Mono? I'm awesome. I'm actually doing pretty well, you know, highs and lows in the, in the teen, and I'm riding a high right now like a foolhardy surfer. I'm, I'm doing well for some reason. <laughs> oh, good. good. Hey, catch those waves and ride them as long as you can. You know? Yeah, I mean, right. if, if, if you're on top of the big kahuna, you don't feel any of the pain. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go to the end of the tube, bro. <laughs> Get I don't know. Do you guys remember that movie? There was a movie called The Big Kahuna, right? Mm, I I just remember The Big Kahuna, like, for The Big Kahuna Burger from uh, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yum. Yum. And is that big? Because that was, like, with a pineapple on it and stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, be honest. Who thinks that's good and who thinks that's nasty? Dude, I do. I'm down with pineapple on pizza on burgers. Pineapple's uh, okay by me. I don't do pineapple yeah. on pizza. I don't know, man. No? I, I think yeah, I, things. I used to, and then I got over it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I I would I I would want it to be from a really good chef, and I'd be like, yes, I'll try this. I'll try you know, this. You haven't even tried it. My first job was at Little Caesars, and, and I explored all different kinds of flavor combos. Whoa, and, wait uh, a minute. We just unlocked yeah. more of the Bryson backstory mystery. Wait, what? <laughs> yep, my first job was awesome. at Little Caesars, and um, and I would explore all kinds of uh, flavor combos. I would have my buddies like call in, and then you know they wouldn't come picking up, and I would just like leave me pizza for days. Wow. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, I came upon uh, Canadian bacon and pineapple, uh, which, yeah. is, which is popular in some districts. But man, I, I, it was a good, I loved it. I really got down. What, with was, it. what was the best Frankenstein pizza you made? Do you remember? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's hard I, to remember I, that era. To think. 
It's hard to remember. Yeah. That was a long ass time <laughs> ago. Caesar's days. Well, yeah. I worked. I worked at a. Uh, I waited tables one summer in high school at a restaurant that was out in the middle of nowhere, and no one ever came to it. But I wanted. It was sci-fi based, so I wanted to work specifically at this place. Uh, and I never made any money. It was horrible. But it was like a 1950s diner. And they had a uh, they had a, a burger called the R two D two, and it was peanut butter and banana on the oh, burger. Oh, okay. and it was that's, really good. And I used yeah, to make them in college. That's well, Elvis's that's, favorite sandwich, the peanut butter banana sandwich. That's true. Yep. Do you want to have blown? Last night I ate plain sun chips with peanut butter on them. Oh, oh that oh. I, it worked. I'm not, I'm serious. It. It, it worked. Cause like the palate of a sun chip is like, like it's pre- a plain one. It's like pretty neutral. So it was kind of just like salty crackers. With yeah. yeah. It's just multigrain bread as a, as a chip. Basically. Yeah. It worked. Honestly. Quarantine tip from your pal. Mono Agapian. Um, okay guys, before we get into Mono's personal paranormal history, we have a segment uh, that we're doing for the first time. It's called, Controversy Club. Uh, Bryce, there's something you wanted to address uh, about last week's episode. I'm just going to fill Mono. He, Mono's, you're welcome to chime in on all this. Uh, last week, uh, uh, we talked about with guest Janie Hedda Tompkins about a tweet that Bryce re- replied to of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson was basically trolling UFO lovers, and it got Bryce a little miffed. And then we talked about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson for a moment. Uh, but yeah, we got to let. It was two tweets, one about UFOs and then one about Bigfoot. Okay. Oh, there's a big. I forgot oh, there was a Bigfoot one. So I was really miffed. <laughs> <laughs> now it's Wait, personal. It, it, it makes you that Neil deGrasse Tyson was go, was like make like going for blood on people commenting about UFOs. He was trolling. You know, he got was just it, being he was being snobby and and snarky. Got it. So we received a letter. Actually, it was mailed not to the Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com, but it was sent to Campfire, our network, Campfire Media's uh, email. They told our which parents. Was, yeah, they told I kind of love. I kind of love that. We know. got in trouble from our mom and dad. Uh, so, listener, we, hear, we heard you. Uh, Bryce is going to read your letter. And I don't know. I haven't talked about this with Bryce, but apparently you have. You want to respond? You're going to read the letter and then respond to the criticism. Yes, I would. I would love a chance to 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 respond and reply. And uh, so we got a letter from a guy named and and it's pretty anonymous name. So I'm pretty just say first name. Just say first name. Yeah, it says Doc. So he go. Let's just call him Doc. And the subject is titled, wow, how is that an anonymous name? <laughs> well, because it's really, you know, just there's a letter after it, and I could okay. I mean, it's pretty anyway. Gotcha. Let's call him Doc. And okay. uh, and the subject is titled In Defense of Neil. And he says, Hey guys, love the show. Each cool. week is fun and interesting. Listen to this week's en route to a long solo hike in the Virginia Appalachians with nice. camera in hand. Nice. Nothing cryptid captured this trip. And what is with the NDT bashing, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Mm-hmm. Have to call you out on this one. You suggest Tyson has never read a book on UFOs. Have you ever read a Tyson book? He has several on-camera interviews discussing extraterrestrial life. He has suggested Titan as a great place to look for it. But he holds to the Fermi paradox for intelligent life, or is at least an agnostic. His words. Keep up the good work. 
but maybe not slam one of the best scientific educators of our time in the process. Doc, professional science educator and believer. All right. Well, I wrote a little something back in response. (laughs) (laughs) No, just 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 uh, just just also warning you, Bryce. This is how you got into trouble in the first place. Well, I know, and I listen. I'm not stepping on any toes here. I I will I will walk gingerly. Thank you, Doc. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it and are glad you like the show. However, in response, I must admit that I don't think Neil deGrasse Tyson is the one who needs defending here. After all, it was <laughs> it was Tyson who decided to tweet pot shots at the UFO and Bigfoot community. And while I'm sure he's listening right now and appreciates your defense of his skeptical approach and scientific accomplishments, I think it's the UFO and Bigfoot community that could use a little defending. In my humble opinion, it's the hunter who has spent most of their life in the woods and yet somehow finds himself staring eye to eye with an eight-foot-tall, half-human, half-ape, whose friends and neighbors tell him he must be crazy and that he only just saw a bear who needs defending. Or to be honest, it's the hardworking farmer who witnesses a luminous craft land on his or her property and watches as strange little beings step out that could benefit from a little back-me-up here. I actually really like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan, for that matter. And in the spirit of getting people excited about science in the universe, I'm all for it. But when it comes to the phenomenon and subjects like UFOs or Bigfoots, I'd like to quote John Goodman's character, Walter Sobchak from The Big Lebowski, when I say, Donnie, you're out of your element. (laughs) And while Neil deGrasse Tyson may think he's throwing us a bone by saying, Titan is a good place to look for extraterrestrial life. He's showing us no favors. He's talking about bacterial and microbial life, and that's not what we're debating here. And of course, he holds to the Fermi paradox, which basically states that if there was extraterrestrial life, we should have already been visited by the ETs or their probes. Well, that's a straw man's argument because it it assumes that we haven't. (laughs) And you're right. I've never read a Neil deGrasse Tyson book cover to cover because... There's probably no Bigfoots, ghosts, aliens, or talking plants in them. So, yeah, you got me there. I'm guilty as charged. Look, I'm not against science or the scientist. I love science, and I love scientists. I am, however, against the snickering erudite know-it-all who thinks that science is the answer to everything and that it alone is the key to figuring out all of life's mysteries. I'm against the individual who claims that the UFO and Bigfoot phenomenon is not a scientific problem to be solved and who discounts the subject entirely by suggesting that our best evidence consists of a few grainy videos, when in reality, guys like DeGrasse Tyson simply refuse to look at the mountains of data because the evidence is outside the realms of repeatability and unworthy of analysis because, let's be honest, it's just too weird to be true. And when it comes to the innumerable eyewitness accounts that have taken place consistently for thousands of years, I'm tired of hearing and think it's just lazy to assume that all those individuals must have undergone some temporary psychosis, hallucination, or probably more to the point, are just outright lying. It's unfortunate that we're at a point in our society where we're ruled by the separation of our beliefs, shackled by our opposite ideologies, whether Democrat or Republican, religious or scientific, Bigfoot believer and everyone else. Can't the answer lie somewhere in the middle? somewhere between material science and personal first-hand experience? I'd like to think so. And I think that's why we're so far behind the eight ball at truly understanding just what this phenomenon is, 
who or what has been intervening in human affairs from the very beginning. Because when we approach the subject of high strangeness with a childish taboo and a giggle factor, like Neil deGrasse Tyson often does, then we're doing ourselves and science a big disservice. But I hold no grudge, and I thank you for being a science educator who is open to the unknown. And if you're listening to our show and are trekking through the Appalachian Trails with a camera by your side, looking for cryptids, well then I say, sir, you're working in an entirely different laboratory than most and are in fact engaging the phenomenon. And I admire that. And if you just so happen to capture a blurry image of something you saw, something truly unbelievable, and no one believes you, well, you know who to call. Love, Bryce. (laughs) Bryce. That was too long. (laughs) (laughs) You lost it for me because that was just too long. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little long-winded. Of your last will and testament. Jesus Christ, that was (laughs) too long. Um, No, uh, I mean, you make great points. Bryce, that was like your uh, Linus during the Christmas pageant speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, hey, Doc, uh, thank you for writing and thank you for listening to the show. Bryce, you make some good points, but also we're just kidding around. Bryce, look, Bryce talks to squirrels in his backyard. He's crazy. Really don't, do. li- don't listen <laughs> yeah. to this guy. He's a nut job. We yeah. all know it. <laughs> He's, he is nuts. We love him for it. He's got a great imagination, and uh, he's open-minded. But yeah. look, it's just weird to say Neil deGrasse Tyson likes to ruin things for people. He does. That's he watches all. a Star Wars movie, and he says, none of this could ever happen. We know. We get it. <laughs> we get it. It's called fantasy. And uh, yeah, this stuff, UFO shit, is weird because it's weird. Uh, but we're really not coming after him. Don't worry. No, about ab- it. absolutely not. In fact, you know, I'm, obviously he's a listener and he's looking for cryptids too. So he's one <laughs> of us, you know. And I get it. You gotta. But I just, you know, I, I'm of the opinion, you know, science doesn't need backing up here. It's we we get it. You know, we live in a, a materialist reductionist world where, you know, it all comes down to science. And well, you know, yeah, I mean, I will I will say uh, these days maybe science does need a little backing up. Uh, that's true <laughs> that's very as, true you know <laughs> donnie you're out of your element here <laughs> all right that's good isn't it, okay isn't it fun to hey why it, look why not be uh why not be a curious uh, a person who's curious about the world than just shutting everything out and that that's fun agreed that's the much shorter version. I like yours. Yeah. See, too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a very quick break, not too long, and when we come back, it's time for more fun with Mono Agapian. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking to Mono Agapian. Uh, Mono, we Yo. ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Okay, so here's the fun part. I have absolutely seen at least two ghosts, yet I don't believe. Fantastic. Um, you know, it's that weird thing where I, I can't tell if it's like I'm cautiously... I, part of me is just like, oh, I'm, I'm a cautious non-believer because uh, the experiences I had were like pretty intense. So then I just became a skeptic, and I think it's easier not to have experiences when you're a skeptic. Hmm. In my limited experience, but uh, both the both of the legit ghosts I saw were in Greece, which makes sense because that place is too old. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the uh, Bryce's letter of places. (laughs) (laughs) Too long. It's too long. Um, No, but I saw them there. And um, would you? you, Should I launch right into one of the times I saw a ghost? Sure. Any way you want to tell the story. Um, To full disclosure, I've been slightly tipped off, so I'm being a bit leading because I've heard that you had some some crazy experience. So let's just get into it. Well, I have two. I mean, the one the one has a better one has a better ending, and one is just skepticism. But w- one time in Greece, well, I'll tell you both. But what the uh, the better the the one that really fucked me up was when I was in Greece. Um, I was at my brother in law's house, and um, in on the island of Milos, which where the which is where the Venus de Milo was from. Remember that? Remember that yeah. sculpture? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, I think London has it now because, you know, they're monsters, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) They're like that whole weird thing where they're like, well, we stole it fair and square. (laughs) Yeah, you can't have it back now. We took it from you. (laughs) Yeah. So I was on Milos and it was it was lovely. It's a beautiful island known for its beaches. They filmed part of Tumoreda there. You remember that? Remember that? Um, And um I was in this old house that my brother-in-law grew up in, really old house, classic Greek hut. Like, it's that white poured concrete hut you'll see on a poster, and it is incredibly humble. I mean, it's at least, it's if not a thousand years old, it's, a, it's probably, eh, I guess it could be a couple hundred years old, if not more. But um, it's like a two-room home where there's just a hallway, um, a, a bedroom, and then in everything else room. I'm sorry, did you say how old it was? It, it was at least a couple hundred years old. Wow. Like, it was old. It was, like, dusty. The bathroom was outside. So, like, um, it was creepy because you had to, like, you had to go outside to the bathroom. And there was sort of, like, just, like, a spigot in the hillside where you would take a shower. And um, I, I got a weird feeling from this place immediately because I found out that my brother-in-law's father was a goat butcher. Oh. Yeah, he was a goat butcher. And, like, while I was outside, I saw this, like, old dilapidated shack filled with, like, old goat butchering equipment. <laughs> right. It was like fucking just spooky old equipment, like from from the turn of the century when they like they they thought they understood machines, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we just know how to break bones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it looked like fucking dentist equipment from the Victorian era. It was hor- horrifying. So I was already creeped out. I was like, this is not great. So I go to sleep in the everything else room. Um, I go to sleep in what is my brother in law's old room. He grew up in this house, and I, I'm sleeping in his room, and I have a fit of sleep paralysis. Is, have you guys ever had sleep paralysis? Oh, yeah. Well-versed well with it on the show as well. Ugh, I bet. So really nasty. And then as I'm like, oh, God, I can't move my body. I don't know what's going on. In the hallway, because there's no doors in this house, in this sort of open door, this, there's an open sort of door that leads to the hall, the single hallway of the home, I notice, like, smoke collecting and a sort of figure a figure is there like a dark almost a man made of smoke if you will and his hands drugged to the floor and i mean the palm side down like i remember his palm yeah it was nasty (laughs) his palms hit the floor 
uh, or not his palms, with his his knuckles, if you will, you know. And I remember a gorilla. Yes, 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 yes. Like fucking, like that, like that. Remember that old, that big orange hair cartoon from Bugs Bunny? Yeah, yeah, that. But like he was like thin and and like he, even though he looked like a man, I could not make out fig like a face. You know, it was just like a very dark figure, like a smokishness about him. And I could not move. I wanted to move. I I even wanted to close my eyes. And I remember like having a hard time closing my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember feeling awful and just feeling like unsafe. I was unclear if it was a dream or not. You know, because I was like, what, what is this a dream? Is this sleep paralysis? What's going on? And what's the difference? Honestly, um, I was finally able to shake, shake out of it and um, turn over. And uh, I remember I had to pee so bad, but I was like, I am not leaving this bed until it is super bright out. You know, and like, I'm not leaving this bed until like I can see sunlight pouring into my eyes, you know? Um, cause I was like, I don't want to look again at whatever could be behind me. Um, which is also a weird thing when you're like, I don't even want to, even if it's bright behind me, I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, in the morning, the morning comes and my brother-in-law, uh, we go out to eat breakfast somewhere. Um, and, uh, he asked how I slept. And I say, you know, not great, whatever. I was just like, oh, not great. I think I'm just like my, I of course chalked it up to like being jet lagged and, and all of that, just being like my schedule's off. And he's like, yo, yeah, like, why didn't you sleep good? I was like, I don't know. I had not, I had like dreams or something. And he was immediately keyed in. Like he was like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And so after breakfast, we come back to the house. And we go into the room I slept in, which is his old bedroom. And he goes to a dresser. He opens up the dresser in the room. He flips through an old notebook. He shows me a drawing that he drew when he was young. And of a dark figure with hands that drags to the floor. No. And he says, did you see him? (laughs) And I was, of course, disgusted, freaked out. <laughs> um, and he, he was like, no, 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 it's fine. He visits. It's not a big deal. Like, he visited all the time when I was young. And I was wow. like, fuck this. <laughs> Whoa. That's dude. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's straight, straight up out of a fucking James Wan movie. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad. Yeah. Yes, very insidious. Did your your brother-in-law mention that he comes to me in my dreams, or is this? I want to get away from like. Did you did you still think you were dreaming at that point, or were you like, oh fuck, this is something else entirely? I I mean, it's weird because the skeptic in me is like, oh, it's just part of a dream and perhaps even a Mm. coincidence. You know, like people. There's a lot of your guys. You're familiar with. There's a lot of reports that you know people see see stuff in sleep paralysis because your brain's disconnected from you know there's like a weird crossing of wires but of course Mm. it's super weird and hard to explain that we both saw something that's arguably so similar yeah that's the crux yeah yeah so what was his explanation uh did you guys talk about it like did he go oh it's it's called this or it has a name like this is what I think it is or why it's here. Did he have any, in other words, 
did he have any sense of the mythology around whatever this entity might be? He did not. I mean, I mean, it's it's a weird thing where he was like, I mean, look, there's wars have been fought on this land forever. You know what I mean? And that's the other the other little ghost experience I had in Greece, which doesn't have as much juice to it. But it was just like uh, it was it was in a war torn area where I was like or or in a castle, if you will. And um and uh, I was just like, he was like, look, this, there's just, it's Greece. It's too old. There's, there's just too much history here. So of course there's stuff here. <laughs> that was his idea behind it. He was like, I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it. And he was very nonchalant about it. God. It's like in those scary movies where the kid draws a picture. Mommy, I saw this in my room last night. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> super, super creepy. So yeah. I'm doing, I mean, a, I'm, I'm doing a quick Google here. And uh, the the first thing that comes up is a shade in mythology. Uh, the, this is just pulling up on Wikipedia. In literature and poetry, a shade, translating Greek, uh, is the spirit or ghost of a dead person residing in the underworld. Oh. Um, so I wonder if there's... Um, shades appear in Book 11 of Homer's Odyssey when Odysseus descends into Hades. And in book six of Virgil's Aenid, where uh, Aeneas travels to the underworld. So I don't know. Maybe this is like because it's described as a shadowy, you know, the shadow of a dead person. Maybe that is something yeah. that we could connect yeah, it to. I mean, part of me was like, is it connected to the goat butchering? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that maybe it's not. Maybe that's I don't know. It freaked me out. And then someone else who I told the story to told me about a Slavic uh, phenomenon called Domovoy or something mm. like they were like oh yeah well um in slavic uh culture they believe in something called the domovoi who is like a a, a a a sleep paralysis monster of some kind mm. interesting yeah it says yeah. here only select individuals uh are exempt from the fate of dwelling in shadow after death and instead ascend to the divine sphere so this sounds like in greek mythology Shade might be the closest thing that we have to that somebody didn't get to move on. Um, so yeah. it's kind of like a ghost, but shadowy, kind of like a shadow person. Yeah, I wonder about the knuckle dragging. I, w- I wonder with a little bit of further research, we could find a specific entity that drags its knuckles like that. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. Um, so what do you, yeah, so what do you, when you think about it now, what do you think? Are you still just skeptical about it? Or you said you don't believe in this stuff even after you've seen it. And I want to get to your second story. But before we move yeah. on from this guy, like, what does your gut tell you? God, that is a hard question. It's just like, it's hard for me. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to deny what I felt when I, when it happened, <laughs> you know, but everything about my adult life after that has been like no let go forget it you're fine you don't you 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 don't believe in magic <laughs> um but i i definitely remember that being a super scary time but i you know to be a cynic uh, there's a lot of ways you could explain it away you know but that drawing mono the drawing I know. Yeah. I know i know I know. I mean, I, I really, the, and I, as I've been saying a bunch, it's like, I do think there's just certain places have history that's harder to shake, um, or harder to let go of, or, you know, more intermingled. Um, yeah, I, one time, two years ago when I was more curious 
there was some someone wrote even about like how like the amount of electricity that leaves your brain when you die. Have you? I guess I bet you guys have done research on this. Have you? I'm not, not sure. Particularly electricity. No. Yeah. 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 Was, I, it, it clicked or, or it connected with me where they were talking about like obviously you know your brain is electric and a certain amount of electricity leaves your brain and I, I forget who it was but this like. He, they, they were basically like sort of a forensic and paranormal person and they were like they had a whole theory about how our human brains being electric kind of batteries could potentially connect with remnant electricity left after people's death mm, that's an interesting theory yeah it was it was it was interesting and it that that's one of that's something i i like things like that where it's like okay so there's a little bit of to, there's a little bit of mysticism, but there's a little bit of science perhaps at play we don't understand. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it all, and this is, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff earlier, but, you know, it, it's all, there's a scientific explanation for all of this, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Ultimately, we just don't understand what it is yet. You know what right. I mean? Wi Fi yeah. would seem magic to somebody 100 years ago, even 50 years ago. So there's there is an explanation to it, and maybe it's something like that. I love that kind of shit to like look to science for how this phenomenon might be operational. Yeah, it just seems like this sort of entity has almost a, a personality. I mean, or a, or you know, a characteristic of itself. You know, not just some sort of bland, mundane shadow person. This one is like, you know, visiting that same room in that same style, and is. Sounds like it's been haunting that room for quite some time. Yeah, it's very possible because, like, the history, like this, that home itself has been like in their family for so long yeah. that it's just been passed down from person to person, and it's like it's so it's it's a it's there's some history there that, that would be hard to decode. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the other thing that happened to you in Greece, Mono? So the other thing that happened to me in Greece was I was uh, I was in I was on an island called Chios, C H I O S, and um, you should look it up if you want. There's a I was staying in a castle, and, it, and okay, what am I what I mean by that is um, you should you could look up Castle of Chios, and I'm looking um, at it right now. Yes, so it's it's like an old Phoenician castle, um, and um, my grandmother, um, her family. Um, so basically it was a castle. The Greeks took it, took it over, uh, back over in like the 1500s or something crazy, like 1400, 1500, something like that. And, um, and they basically, what they did at that time is they would turn castles into, for lack of a better word, like neighborhoods or like an apartment building, you know? So mm-hmm. now what used to be a moat is a parking lot. And, uh, so you park in what used to be a moat, you walk into the castle and they've turned what used to be giant castle rooms into like shops and like sort of apartments where people live. It's like the original, the Grove. (laughs) (laughs) Very local LA joke. I apologize. Yeah. It is. No, it is. It's a dream. It is the outdoor shopping center of your dreams. Um, honestly, if they put a cheesecake in, it would be perfect, but, um, (laughs) it's a creepy old place. And I remember, of course, I was like, I was 10 or 12. Um, I think I was 10 this time. I went a couple times to Greece growing up and, um, we, you have to walk in 
and you're you're in a it's a you're in like a cobblestone apartment that has been kind of updated you know what i mean like throughout the years kind of updated so once again very humble sort of how, how could i put it like it's like it's like if it's an apartment, but really it's like three or four rooms connected together. You know what I mean? It's like a bedroom, a sort of living area and a kitchen. And, um, I remember sleeping, uh, sleeping there. And then, um, I, you know, some weird time late at night, I had to go use the bathroom. And I remember through my window, seeing someone outside and it was, a fucking Greek soldier, like a Greek soldier in a fustanella, which is like a skirt. You can look that up too if you want a visual, but these like fustanella soldiers are sometimes those Greek soldiers you see with like the guns with the knife on it and like the sort of genie shoes. Sometimes they have genie shoes. Right. Okay. I saw him like clear, crisp human in front of my eyes there. And he looked like, harried if you will he looked like like in some he was in the heat of a moment and looked like i was like oh my god a fucking person is back here and then sort of slowly but surely was able to see that see him dissipate you know what i mean that weird thing where you're like that's a solid mono come on I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I have no, that one I have nothing to back up. You know what I mean? That could have been my sleep brain. I don't know what, but I mean, obviously, surely. Yes, I because didn't. every 11 year old boy just thinks of a <laughs> Fustanella first thing in the middle of the night. <laughs> I did do research afterwards and I was like, uh, yeah, those were the kinds of people who would have been fighting right here where this castle is. Mano, it seems like you have sort of this this need to be cynical or skeptical. Why can't you just let yourself, uh, you know, sort of believe what you saw? I'm curious. That's a about very that. good question. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm scared of looking stupid. <laughs> like, mm. I'm scared of looking fucking dumb. I I guess what I'll honestly say is that I did give up on Christianity years ago. Mm-hmm. And because like being gay and Christian is fucking crazy. Um, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's just, it's just a little too hard. It's like, you know what I mean? To believe in a system that says you're an evil. Well, that family. depends on which church you go to. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, that is true. I, I haven't, I haven't been exposed to the good ones. Um, I've only been exposed <laughs> to ones that were like, you're bad and your lifestyle doesn't matter. And Fair enough. marriage isn't real for you. And your love is a hoax. So mm. it, it got really easy for me to sort of divorce my brain from any form of, uh, otherworldly stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's funny to me that, and I, you know, this has been coming up on the show a lot lately where even last week with Janie, how it's like, if if you don't believe in religion, you can't believe in this stuff. But I don't know. I get why there's that connection. But to me, I don't know, because I'm not a particularly religious person either. But I still believe, well, I'm open to, I should say, um, you know, the, 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 there's something else going on here and that there is some form of life after death. And, you know, to me, religion is just uh, a one and religions are just a certain point of view of that phenomenon that isn't necessarily getting it all right either, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, 
I mean, if in terms of looking stupid, we're on episode 115 of this show. <laughs> I mean, you're in the wrong place. I, we, yeah, I mean, we definitely don't look smart, you know. Uh, so I, I understand. <laughs> you know, well, what's the worst that could happen is my well, point. Let me ask you guys then what what made it easier for you to believe? Like what made it? Is it just exposure to stories or what, what, what is no. it? I think, I think, you know, and I, I, I don't want to speak for Michael, but I, you know, knowing Michael for both of us, it's, it's through personal experience of sort of the, you know, something that can't be explained. It's sort of, it's sort of led us on a quest to try and figure out, you know, what's going on. You know, I believe my senses, I believe in what I see and feel and experience. And when it, when it can't be explained and and when you can find you know patterns in other people's stories like oh my god that's kind of like what i experienced then then you know that there's you know just more to this world than meets the eye i don't know that's for me personally yeah know? i think we i think bryce and imano were kind of were just like you except we run towards it after we have we had our right. experiences you mm-hmm. know and instead of us going oh, okay whatever it's more like, no, what was that? What was that? Why that? That's fucking weird. And then the consistency between stories often and the consistency when you look back and see some of the stuff, even, even the consistency of the strangeness of a lot of this stuff and the inconsistency of this stuff is consistent, which is also weird. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and, well, it, and even and if it, it all boils down to, you know, for me, it boils down to two things. One, it's just really fun to think about it's more interesting to think about than if it doesn't exist, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But if it doesn't exist and there's something that's in your brain or your imagination, that's triggered to see this historical character that you didn't even know about really, (laughs) and didn't know that it was historically accurate to the place you were at, like that in of itself is fascinating just alone. You know what I mean? And to me, at the end of the day, I've said it before, it's all about the stories. Like hearing this story that you have, that is something that I will think about now for the rest of my life. You totally. Know? And yeah. I, you know, and I, I think there's a big interest in 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 questions like I think that everybody sort of has is, you know, is there life after death? You know, are we alone in this universe? Is there uh are we being visited now or have we ever been visited? Like, you know, what <laughs> what are some of these mysteries people are saying that they've experienced They're not, That's not supposed to be that way in a strange way, you know, but, but here, yeah, here they are. And, and we hear it all the time. People telling, you know, that's, what's been great about doing this podcast is my God, I would say 80 to 90% of the people that come on this show as our guests have had some sort of paranormal experience, or at least know somebody in their close circle who has as well. And, you know, it's like, my God, the numbers are staggering. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. I mean, that's that's so true. There's so much going on. Is there any phenomenon that you guys have been like, absolutely not. This is out. <laughs> mm. Or yeah. keeping the book open. You know, I think Michael and I would both agree that, uh, you know, shape-shifting reptilian overlords are, are pretty <laughs> much out. You know, we don't, uh, I don't yeah. think we, we vibe with that. <laughs> it t- I, I tend to, the stuff where there's a real agenda behind it a real like when someone's really trying to tell you why you should be scared again kind of going in what your points were about religion mono that's that tends to be when i you know 
it doesn't smell sniff past the sniff test for me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. in terms of alien reptilian overlords, like to me, the Illuminati is in plain sight. Like we all know that like the majority of the wealth of this planet is controlled by very few people. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a conspiracy and it doesn't take uh, long to figure out how we've gotten ourselves in that situation. Uh, right. But, you know, but then again, you hear stories of like the lizard man of skate swamp. And then yeah. you're like, well, am That's I open to the idea of there being giant reptilians, even if they're not evil alien overlords? I don't yes. know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But uh, but it's not coming from those stories don't tend to come from people that are trying to sell you something or tell yeah. you to be afraid of an t- entire group of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Right. So, so well, I don't know. It's weird. But there are definitely stories that you do hear. Then I go, ah, and we don't have to get into him, but there's something like, nah, I don't know. I just don't buy it. I just That's don't. That's kind of my question. What do you do with people, for lack of a more sensitive word, uh, bonco brains, uh, the bonco brains in this field who are mucking it up for everyone? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The people who are like, I see light when I sleep and uh, the flies tickle my titties. What do you do yeah. with those people? <laughs> Well, I all due respect to those people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I'm being fully fully sensitive. You know those wackadoos. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you can. I think it becomes pretty, pretty quickly, pretty much apparent if somebody's dealing with a real phenomenon or they're dealing with some issues. You know what I mean? You really Mm -hmm. can kind of tell. I think not. You know, I don't know. It's all. It's it's difficult. That's why you have to like do a little research you know john tenney uh who's paranormal investigator we've had on the show and researcher you know he'll talk about how he takes time and has people tell their story over and over and over again and it's only when the consistencies remain that way that he goes okay this person might actually have experienced something so Mm -hmm. you just can't you can't go in also just like yes to everything with this stuff either you have to be skeptical you absolutely do and i found that that some of the more incredible and i think truer tales there's always a hesitancy there right like there's always like this person is very you know sort of you know, just skeptical of what they experienced. You know, there's a there's a personal skepticism that comes along with supernatural phenomena. You know, it's not a club that a lot of people want to be in. You know, it doesn't come with a lot of, uh, you know, glitz and glamour. It's you know, it, like you said, you know, people are often made fun of and they, you know, they they don't. It's not something that to be gained from some of these stories that these people tell only misery and pain and, you know, sort of. They become a laughing stock in some cases, and and, and not yeah. only that, but sometimes their lives can fall apart. You know. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> that's, that's I think surreal. for me, at, at the end of the day, like I'm not religious at all, but um, it, it's just like our our perception of of reality is so limited and so subjective to our interpretation, and like the universe is so vast, and so like ruling out these like strange, bizarre, unexplainable things just seems like counterintuitive almost where it's, it's just that we, we we don't know what we're in, at, in, in right. this life, and it's so easy to forget it so like what why why not ghosts why not aliens well right? yeah i think that's a great sense. point riley and actually ties into something i was thinking about mono when you were telling your story and just talking about the location of that old house and then mm-hmm. this entity that seems to be there you know there's something going off in my 
brain thinking, well, what if, you know, what if reality is program, not pro, you know, I'm not like, oh, it's all, a, uh, I mean, maybe it is a hologram or what is simulated, but, but what if, what if reality actually behaves more like a video game simulation where you're like, well, if you go into this room in this level, these uh, sprites are going to be there and these, uh, these programs are running and these characters will appear here you know what i mean and you know what if we're in ep what if we're in the shittiest video game (laughs) we might be i mean honestly we might be and then some people would argue it's like well it's actually really cool because it's like the most sim sims game ever but then like of course the programmers because they want to keep things interesting they're like yeah yeah if you go to that old house you know, it'd be like on a Reddit thread. If it's like, if you go to that old house in Greece, there's the knuckle, there's a knuckle dragging, uh, you know, shade that appears every like 15 nights. So you got to go on a night when he's going to show up. You know what I mean? I love this. This and, reminds me of that kid on the bus who's like, if you, if you jump on the hill in Mario 64, you can unlock Luigi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're that kid. Yeah. <laughs> like Yoshi's on top of the castle, but you got to figure out how to get on top of the castle to find Yoshi. That's true, but someone's like, you can. Um, there's a picture of Peach um blowing Wario. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I swear, I I swear to fucking oh God. God. <laughs> but if you yeah, form three, you're not gonna get there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something. I think it's something like that. You know what I mean? We're just like yeah. different level design and different characters and different rules, and all these sort of mythologies show up in different places around the world. You know, and some yeah. for some reason, you know, that we don't know about. But that uh, anyway, to me, that appealed to me. Who knows? You know, that really well, we're gonna. We're going to find out what else appeals to you, Mono, because we have a game we like to play with all of our guests. First of all, uh, that was an amazing... Two great... Two fucking great stories. I love that you said one of them was not good. (laughs) They were both great. I I mean, the other one... Thanks. Thank you. Um, So we're going to go down a list of phenomenon. And if you uh, believe in it or you're open to it, you say, believe it. If you're not, you say, bullshit. There's no in-between. So... Okay. Okay. Or bullshit... Bullshit or believe it. Okay, bullshit or believe it. Got it. This this is a game that we like to call bullshit or believe it. <laughs> Mono Agapiana. On your mark. Okay. Get set. Ah. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. <laughs> Little gray aliens? Yeah, like alien grays. <laughs> like the guys okay great out of body exp- out of body experiences uh, believe it demonic possession oh oh shit oh <laughs> well, that old programming rears its head fuck uh, bullshit the bermuda triangle bullshit alien abductions believe it loch ness monster Mm, believe it time travel bullshit mothman <laughs> bullshit reincarnation mm, uh, bullshit esp mm, bullshit haunted houses <laughs> believe it the illuminati believe it there's a face on mars <laughs> bullshit 
Skunk ape. What? Uh, bullshit, because I'm so confused. Bullshit. Well, you just unlocked a secret game, oh, so Bryce, get ready. We'll nice. play it right after this. <laughs> Heaven. Um, uh, uh, bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Uh, yeah, believe it. Poltergeists. What's the difference between a poltergeist and a ghost? Can I ask that? Poltergeists are like, they tend to throw things around the room. They might be telekinetic activity, not actual spirits. Oh, okay. Bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Atlantis. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. The apocalypse. (gasps) Oh, fuck. Um, Believe it. Life after death. Bullshit. Well done, Mono. You yeah, made it through. Oh, I was going to say, you're, uh, you're Greek. You better believe in Atlantis. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. That's, that comes with it. So um, Bigfoot, the- no, no Bigfoot for you, huh? No, I don't know. It's like some of those, I really just waffled back and forth on some of those. But for some reason, that one, I love every story of it. Like, I, I, I am totally tickled by every story of it. But I've never been like, I really believe it. Great. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, you unlocked a, a hidden game uh, within the game uh, oh, no. because you didn't know what Skunk Ape was. You're confused. Yeah. We're handing this over to Bryce Johnson for awesome. a game we like to call Bryce Johnson sells Skunk Ape in 60 seconds. So he's going <laughs> to tell you what Skunk Ape is, and he's got 60 se- seconds to prove to you. It's going to be tough. Okay. We'll that look at- he oh, exists. Go. Wait. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. 60 yeah. seconds to sell skunk cape on your mark. Get set and begin. Mono, this will work a lot better if you go into your search bar and type okay. in skunk cape. So just type in skunk cape. Skunk cape is like the uh, southern eastern version of the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot. Anyway, in the 80s, an old lady uh, claimed that something was visiting her backyard and taking her apple. She's like, did somebody lose an orangutan? She wrote an anonymous letter to the sheriff's department because she was worried her grandkids would often come over and she was really worried about their safety. One night she heard something taking her apples and she said she took seconds. out her camera and she took two flash photos. Now those are the two photos you can see. There's actually two of them. And she describes it in her letter. She says, I took a, the first picture, the flash went off. I saw the creature and I immediately took another one and it started to stand up. Now in those pictures, you can see the canine front teeth. You can see the refraction in his eyes. Ten, it's obviously nine, not an orangutan. Eight. It's Seven, actually a Florida six, skunk ape. Five. Wow. Five seconds three, early. Two. One. <laughs> that's it. So Newport did you buy it? Time. You know, I love the story. I really and you know what? Not too long. That was just oh, okay. right. Great. That was, great. That was an amazing length. Um, so um edit. Um no, I'm kidding. That's great. Um I love these pictures. They're really scary. They look kind of like mama. You, you uh-huh. ever see they look like if Mama was hairy, so I guess Dada. Uh, <laughs> that's an all new. That's a different pitch that I think you could probably sell. If you're really interested, I think you could probably find the letter somewhere on the internet. It's only about a page long, and it's really cute. It's from a little old lady, and and she's like I said, she's just worried about her grandkids. I mean, I love these pictures. I love the story. It does look horrifying. Um. I am going to say bullshit because uh, it's because uh, <laughs> it's Florida, and I don't I don't trust. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Bryce, your your storytelling uh, skills are going to be put to the test once again with this week's tale of high strangeness. We'll be right back. Let me cut out about two pages. All right, Club Scouts, we're back with Mono and Gapian, and it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. It's Bryce Johnson's turn. Bryce, what from the annals of history did you bring for us tonight? Well, I think this is a good one, and, and Mono, I hope you enjoy it. It might, I hope it's not too long, uh, but I don't want to speed read it. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, sort of a mix between a Bigfoot uh, tale and something that might not be a Bigfoot, but more of a monster. Let me Let me just jump right in. Imagine you're a nine-year-old boy who just moved to an incredible new farmhouse in northwestern Kentucky with your family, a place where you and your brothers and sisters could roam free, climb trees, explore the woods, and just be a boy. Now imagine that dream turning into a nightmare because over the next 11 months, you and your family are basically terrorized by a giant, hairy, red-eyed beast that would come to be known as the Spotsville Monster. Michael, have you heard of the Spotsville Monster? No, and I'm so excited because it sounds like totally up my alley. Let me ask you, are there horny teens in this story? Oh, God, no. I could add some somewhere along the way if you want. (laughs) I'll take a little creative license. Okay. This is the the true story of the Nunnally family and uh, who experienced just that. In April of 1975... The Nunnally family, Rosalie and Red, along with their six children, moved into a small, isolated farmhouse very close to the banks of the Green River in Kentucky, a quiet little town called Spotsville. Now, the Nunnally new house on Mound Ridge Road seemed perfect at first. The property contained many types of fruit and berry trees, lush woods, and some good farmland, where Red planned to grow several acres of tobacco. And Rose, his wife, looked forward to raising a big vegetable garden. The six kids could play in the big yard and artifact hunt for Indian arrowheads along the front and the sides of the house. And despite the fact that there were holes in the back screen door where the previous owner admitted that he fired several rifle shots from inside inside the house at a large, hairy feller who was standing just outside peering in at him, other than that, it was all grand. You know how it is when you, you know, sometimes something's great, you ignore those crucial details like that. Anyway... Red, the father, was a tough, intelligent, no-nonsense type guy who was not easily scared by anything, and his 12-gauge shotgun could take care of any such problems that might arise. It wasn't until their chickens started disappearing at a rapid rate and the boys started to find carcasses of dead dogs out in the backwoods that things started to take an eerie turn, because upon closer inspection, the boys found the bodies were strangely mutilated sliced from groin to gullet with all the internal organs removed, including the eyes and tongues. Even stranger was the fact that there was no blood or footprints at all around the grisly discoveries, even though most were found in the open. Also strange was the fact that no scavenger would eat the remains, not even a fly would land on them and lay eggs. Now before all said and done, the family would lose over 200 chickens, a goat, a horse, and would find the remains of eight dogs, a pig, and a goat, all all mutilated in the same way. One day, Red and Rose heard what sounded like something big drinking water from the small creek behind the house. By the sound of the loud gulping noises it was making, it was at least as big as a horse or cow. 
but then it let out a bellowing scream that no one had ever heard before. At night, they began to hear strange noises coming from outside the surrounding fields, some of which contained swampy ponds and thick growths of trees. And from the woods behind the house, sometimes it would be close by, sometimes far away. The two vicious and highly treasured guard dogs the family owned could be heard bumping their heads on the floorboards as they scurried beneath the house in fear of whatever was making the sounds. Now this caused Red much concern. As a precaution, when his older son Harold began remodeling their house, Red invited him and his family to move their trailer out and set it beside his house. As Red was suffering from glaucoma and steadily losing his eyesight, he felt the family would be safer with another grown man who could shoot a gun if if the need arose. One day, a stranger came walking from the tree line across one of the fields. He was holding a shotgun and walking towards the house, his other hand up in the hair in a friendly gesture. It took both the adults to finally calm down the dogs when the stranger approached and introduced himself as a neighbor who lived less than a half a mile up the road. He stated that he'd just been squirrel hunting in the nearby woods and and had scared up something big and hairy that ran away on its hind legs. As it was heading in this direction, he had not the slightest idea what the animal could be or how dangerous it was. He felt it was his duty to warn the family about the event. Red liked this man immediately and invited him back for coffee when he had the chance, and the two became great friends. And this would play a pivotal role in the drama that was about to unfold. The first sighting by the Nunnellys happened around 8 o'clock one evening when Rose stepped onto the front porch to call Harold and his wife and three children over for a late supper. They'd been working in the fields all day. She looked to her left and saw a giant, hairy beast, at least eight feet tall, standing in the darkness by a nearby shed, just looking at her. She screamed, then ran back inside and locked the door. Harold rushed over, holding his rifle. Red grabbed the shotgun, shaking. Rose called the police, and after briefly looking around close to the house and finding nothing, the state police left, probably laughing at the crazy story of the giant monster. But they would be back several more times as events escalated into an almost nightly visitation by the creature. Eventually, even though it was later learned that similar sightings were taking place all along the river in towns such as Bluff City and Hebbardsville, the police refused to respond to any more monster calls, and the family was left to defend themselves. Dean, aged 10, had a close encounter of his own as well. He was standing in the front yard one day when he heard a tremendous crashing through the trees out back, followed by a complete and unsettling quiet that came over the entire area. He looked and saw the thing standing in a small gully by an old truck. He described it as being huge and tall, with a square jaw and small, close-set eyes. It was covered in reddish-gray hair, thin and patchy in spots as if it was very old. All of the children saw it one morning standing in a cornfield out front. It towered above the full-grown corn and seemed to sway slightly from side to side as it stood. And at nighttime, the creature would often peer through their windows and try and turn doorknobs and bang on the outside walls. Now, by this time, the local TV news had heard of the events from the police band radio and sent a camera crew and a police sketch artist out to the place. The artist drew a hairy, man-like animal, and a segment about the family was featured on the evening news. The next day, a crew of reporters from the local newspaper descended on the Nunley farm to get the scoop. The morning edition of The Gleaner dubbed the beast the Spotsville Monster. 
and the accompanying article treated the sighting fairly, despite some misquotes such as calling the monster green and misnaming the name of the road on which the family lived, which may have been a good thing because, ironically, this sent the crowds of gun-toting monster hunters that descended on Spotsville to everywhere but the correct location. Meanwhile, the neighbor from down the road agreed to try and track the monster down for the sake and the safety of the Nunnally children. He encountered it one day at an old abandoned house far back in the woods. It was stooping down looking out the window at, a, at him. The man fired on it, and in the same instant, he said later, it just vanished right before his very eyes. Shaken by the sighting, he went home, completely frightened and perplexed. What in the hell had he just witnessed? He didn't give up, however, and eventually claimed to have found trace evidence in the form of some hair, a claw, and a plaster cast of a partial footprint left in the near-frozen ground. The print, though incomplete, was impressive and showed the clear impression left by a large, four-toed foot. When the news coverage began, Red referred the reporters up to talk to the neighbor, which they did. His name appeared in print, and he, like the Nunnally family, suffered intense public ridicule. The children were endlessly taunted at school, along with their friendly neighbor, who worked at the nearby fire department. The events finally came to a climax when the neighbor told Mr. Nunnally about a bizarre encounter with the creature he had experienced a couple of weeks prior. He had been looking for the thing one day, he said, when it started to rain. He was walking a tree line at the time, and there was a nearby, long-abandoned old barn into which he went seeking shelter from the rain. Little did he know the creature was also inside. He stood only for a moment at one end of the open-ended barn when suddenly the feeling that he wasn't alone washed over him. He slowly turned around and found himself staring into a huge, hairy midsection. He stood well over six feet tall, but he had to look almost straight up to see this creature's face, which he described as horrible and deeply terrifying with a short muzzle, long pointed fangs set into both its upper and lower jaws, black skin and strange red eyes that chilled and frightened him to his very soul. He reached for the rifle strapped on his shoulder but suddenly found himself unable to move as those terrible eyes froze him in their gaze. The man thought that he was surely done for when the strangest thing happened. It spoke to him without using its mouth at all but some sort of mental telepathy and said, don't be afraid, I will not harm you. Then it turned around and ran out the other end of the barn and into a plowed field, now muddy from the rain. It was a few moments before he could move again, trying to clear the vision of those red burning eyes from his mind. When he finally did compose himself, he walked to the doorway through which the being had ran, hoping to see for the first time the creature's tracks in the muddy field. There were none. When he told this story to uh, to the father, Red, they soon realized that this was no ordinary monster. And Red asked his neighbor if he thought it might come up one night and try to steal one of the children. The neighbor replied that it was not likely as they had been here for nearly a year already and the thing seemed content with killing their animals and merely scaring people. But, he told him, if the creature ever did decide to do that, there would be a thing anyone in this world could do about it. Soon after that talk, the neighbor Red, uh, uh, Red and Rose gathered their children and belongings and moved back to the safety of the city. Now, Bart Nunnally, one of the boys who was nine at the time of these events and whom I owe a great deal of this story's details, went on to interview the neighbor that tried to save him in, in, in February of 2005. Quote, It had been 30 years since I had seen him. He was older, but still pleasant, friendly, intelligent, and cordial. 
He still lived in the same house that he lived in back then, and is a God-fearing Christian with no reason to lie and no want of any publicity whatsoever. After promising never to reveal his name in a public forum, and because I was Red's son, he agreed to grant me the interview and tell me everything that had happened to him during and after our, orde or our ordeal in 1975. What he told me about his further encounters with the Spotsville monster astounded me. He claimed that he had seen the beast several more times after my family left. Moreover, he said that what he had seen with his own eyes went far beyond anything he had ever dreamed possible. One day he was walking along a field and noticed a strange area that looked like heat waves rising from a hot summer road. The area was only a few yards wide, and to either side everything looked normal. As he was watching, one of the creatures stepped out of this strange wavy area, like stepping out of a doorway. One second nothing, and the next there it was, looking right at him. It growled at him and at the same time screamed inside his head to leave me alone. Then it turned around and took a step back into the strange-looking doorway and disappeared. After that, he began watching the area from a distance using binoculars. In all, he claimed to have witnessed several different monsters using this doorway a total of three different times, always appearing or disappearing seemingly into thin air. These strange creatures would then be seen crossing his own property and trip tripping the motion-detecting security lights in his yard. His last sighting was in August of 2004 when asked if I could see the trace evidence, uh, I received another revelation. Soon after the media coverage back in 75, he said he was visited by the state police and a couple of other men whom he took to be federal game officials. They demanded that he return all the evidence concerning the Spotsville monster over to them immediately, which he did. Moreover, they stated that if he ever talked to anyone else about the subject, especially the media, he would be arrested without hesitation and thrown into prison on a made-up charge and would never see his wife and two young daughters again unless it was looking at them through prison bars. In addition, a statement had been prepared for the local paper in his name stating for a fact that what he had seen was nothing more than a large black bear. Now, not easily intimidated, he first balked at the whole thing, reasoning that you know, his this is America and his rights were being violated, but the officials were very persuasive, and in the end he had little choice but to go along with the charade for the sake of his family. Over the years, he had tried to get the items back, but with no luck, and over time he and his family came home and found a large freezer bag on the front porch. It had the remains of his plaster cast smashed into powder. The statement was later released to the local paper, which proudly proclaimed the mystery of the Spotsville monster solved. The hordes of monster hunters melted away. Everything quieted down, and the Spotsville monster faded into memory. The man never talked of the Spotsville monster again, fearing the threats to this day, as he now owns a successful business and does not wish to jeopardize it. He blames the inability to speak of his encounters on a heart attack he suffered in 85, which left him for a brief time uh, clinically dead. And it's also interesting to note that the entire area has a history of active UFO sightings, and many houses nearby are said to be haunted on the inside as well. Um, as he goes on to say, I know this to be true. I've lived in a couple of them myself and have seen unexplained aerial phenomena on many occasions in the company of witnesses numerous times. And that was from the files of Bart Nunnally. And that's the story of the Spotsville monster. Ooh. Mono. Ooh. What the hell was that? 
I got a note. Too short. The story was too short. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> sweet. Details. I didn't even like, what the fuck was the ESP? ESP? ESP moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Isn't that crazy? I mean, Michael, how many of these little notes hit some stuff from like other cases? Like, oh well, let me tell you, Bryce, I was Googling and scribbling down some notes. So first of all, let's talk about the animal, mutila- animal mutilations, the yeah. desanguation or exsanguation of the of the of the livestock, the the eyes and the tongues missing and there being no blood around no them, blood, but no drained of blood. Them. That's yeah. like classic. Also, I Googled Spotsville. It's right off the Ohio River. It's on the Green River, just south of the Ohio River. So smack dab in the Ohio River Valley mono where all of this weird stuff, where so many weird really? stories from the 60s, 70s, and 80s all take place. And not only that, and maybe you notice this in your uh, research, Bryce, it's also Spotsville sits right on the 37th parallel. Wow. Um, the oh my the God. 37th parallel is uh, is uh, coordinate. It's a, lo- it's a longitudinal line that runs yeah. across America where a good majority, I would say like 75 to 80% of UFO sightings and cattle mutilations oh. have taken place. Yeah. So it's a strange pattern author Chuck Zukowski sort of found. So there's That's a lot cool. of, this, this hit a ton of, um, again, consistent uh, story beats from, from stuff that we've heard on this podcast again and again. That's how about how, guys, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, how about the "Don't be afraid, I will not harm you." I mean, that's a direct line from Indrid Cold, in a sense. Yeah, yeah really that's was. Mana, what do you think about all this stuff? I think it's a fantastic story. Um, I I think it's a great story. I mean, and is that technically a Bigfoot? Is that a big? Is that a, is it a Bigfoot? Is it a creature? Is it a is it a uh, a, a lagoon thing? What, what? How do we classify this guy? Yeah, it's a great question, right? Because we've done stories where you got the pretty classic Bigfoot, and then you have other these other sort of monsters that are hairy and tall, but have these red glowing eyes and are very nefarious and sort of like the Beast of Bray Road. And yeah, it had he, that Road. snout sounded like Mono. There's something called the Dog Man as well, which I used to really make fun of. And then I started researching <laughs> and we spoke to this uh, author, Linda Godfrey, who's awesome and super down to earth. And she's been collecting these stories and writing on them for years now. And the, the, this is what John Keel, a, f- a famous paranormal investigator from the 60s and 70s, would classifies a big hairy monster or a bhm mm-hmm. it sort of doesn't fit in any strict category of bigfoot but it's got a lot of similarities to it yeah well, how, how, how how many times are we talking about maybe bigfoot goes through portals and here's an eyewitness saying uh and describing this wavy door line like on a hot summer's day that you see on the road and monsters coming in and out of it I mean, there you have it. I mean, that's that's absolutely wild. Yeah, I mean that that is that is cuckoo cachoo. And but guess what? <laughs> I have I do have a cynical take on this because, and it doesn't mean I don't. I exclusively don't believe. But hear me out. My yeah, cynical of course. Take on this. You know what? The greatest injustice of this is that 
this writer's not going to get credit for this almost perfectly crafted story because they because it is now attributed to a thing that factually happened. I can't help but think the thought that damn, that is a good story that now uh uh doesn't t- get all the credit it deserves. Yeah, well, you know, it they like I said this was in the newspapers and and TV reporters reported on this, so the story's so out, that's for who sure. Is, what, but we don't know the name of the Nunnally's neighbor that a lot of this stuff comes from? Yeah, he I, remains the, anonymous? In a few We're, different what? sources, his name was Roy. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, and look, I am, I'm, I'm the first, I, if, if I'm the first who wants to be proven wrong. And obviously I've seen weird shit, but, you know, it's been a second. And what, what do you guys think about uh, the, like, do you guys believe in, like, the like if you shut your brain off to it you're less likely to see it or you don't believe in that at all mm, you know that's a great question well Mon- um, i thought you you brought that point up earlier in the show mono and i think like we've definitely talked about bryce and riley how like if you're jonesing for like a give me a ghost give me a thing it's very it's more often than not that you won't get anything back it seems mm-hmm. i think what mono's point is that oftentimes these encounters especially when we're talking like the bigfoot or um ufo variety seem to happen to people where that type of thing is the last thing on their mind yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Is that what you're? Is that what you're yeah, point? That's what I'm saying? I'm just because I, I think there has to be some correlation. Like, you know what I mean? I'm I'm ignoring it. Like it's it's like if you put me in a you put me in a strip club, uh, I'm not noticing ninety percent of what my heterosexual peers are noticing. You know, right. and it's, <laughs> it's kind of the same. It's like uh, like well, did you fucking see that? And I'm like, oh no, I I missed it completely. I was looking at bulges on Instagram. I was not looking at the same thing you were looking at. You know, it's it's so funny. I always joke about like if this bulges was... on Instagram. <laughs> like, I'm a filthy dick pig, guys. I knew you probably know this. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Wait. What, what do you think about that? Uh, uh, as you were saying, uh, you know, I was going to say I always. What I love about one of the details I love about this story, and you know, you have to remember this is a real family. There's, there's, they're, they're most of, they're all still alive today, and uh, is, is that they actually got up and moved. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've heard some interviews with Rosalie Nunnally, and she's like, after that, you know, we moved. We just, we couldn't take it anymore. And we we got up and moved, and it you know that that just rings so true. It's just like you know, fuck. Because right. if 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 his house was haunted, me, I'd be like, I'm out. You know, put it up for sale. I'm done. I'm right. gone. Um, and then there's just so many strange details that sort of lock in with a lot of other stories we hear. I mean, what did you think of the the game of the federal game official sort of warning and intimidating him not to tell this story? That reminds me of, of course, you know, the Men in Black in a strange yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's that's weird. I don't, you know, that's when my I really hate to say it, but that's like when my skepticism starts to ping is when Mm. it's like, and then the government, you know, I get it. But like, I don't understand if it's true. I don't. And I'm not saying it's not. I just don't understand the intimidation factor behind some of this stuff that, you know, like, 
Is it that the government knows that there are interdimensional hairy monsters crossing in and out of Kentucky and they just don't want people to know? It doesn't seem like they would have to work that hard to make people not believe it in the first place. You know what I I mean? Well, I think to the to the point tons though, of Michael, plaster they, casts out there that most the majority of americans go that's eh, bullshit you know what i mean yeah. so i don't know why they're going to the lengths of like destroying his plaster cast and then like intimidating saying we're gonna like kill you well, or well, something that's, that's right to my point if they if they you know perhaps these weren't government agents but something is more along the line of the strange you know like those men right, in black right, I don't right, right. Were government agents right. you know Right, right. Which then just begs the question: Well, what's that game game yeah, about? You know, I, I don't know. know. It's just it's all weird. It all it's all it's just that same weird narrative over and over again. You know, yeah. um, the sketches though sort of look. He looks like you know the Brett Michaels of uh, of Bigfoots though. He's the, the, the sketches <laughs> are great. You'll see him on our Instagram page. He's got so, sort of a rock, what is that? What a, a, a rock and roll and, flair. <laughs> yeah, wait, horny and willing to date fourteen young hot <laughs> lunatics in no. the interest of finding his true rock and love is that what he's saying yeah that's, yes that's perfect. uh wears a bandana that's actually just a wig you know <laughs> never takes it off i would okay now this is the real crossing of worlds if we could see a paranormal dating show that nothing would make me happier if we could make up the bachelor with oh every paranormal being there oh nothing would make me happier okay mono you've just struck something we were all old yeah. yeah, that's gold. So we've got the 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 four of us have that idea. Great. And we'll get to work on it. Um, Mono it. Gapian, thank you so much, Bryce. That was a fantastic story. Thank you. Um, Mono, thank you so much for being on the show. Like Big me. Like Bigfoot. Where in the world can people find you? <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, easier to find. Um, uh, you can find me at my name <laughs> on the social medias at mono agapian uh you can listen to my drag podcast drag her you can listen to my patreon podcast uh we love trash i'm a subscriber and a supporter fucking angel god bless you and i have one more thing to plug because i'm crazy and uh recently me and betsy have uh we decided to cover uh and recap the new netflix show too hot to handle and are you kidding me i almost did that with marcy lane that's hilarious marcy and i were talking about then i gave up real quick on that idea we're of course speaking of betsy sodaro who our listeners know very well co-host with marcy of uh a funny feeling podcast we got that's fantastic yeah it's on stitcher premium it's called too horny to recap and uh yeah two episodes drop every week so you know i'm clucking about it online Oh shit. I love it. Okay, great. Um, Bryce, Riley, anything to plug during the quarantine? No. Um (laughs) uh, my 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 uh, gaping sense of despair. Oh that's good. Hey, how's the uh, how's the spin drift album tracking on college radio is doing pretty well last we heard. It's still yeah, it's still still in the charts, and still we don't know when it's actually going to come out. So, well, uh, that's you, still you can, you congratulations. Can, you can hear it on the radio. It's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's a funny, strange situation, but yeah. So call your college radio station and uh, ask for some spindrift, guys. When better than during a pandemic to get back in touch with the radio? That's yeah, right. Man, that's awesome. Fucking do it. Okay, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. Until next week, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. 
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.